0: It's Jim. It's the World of Bonds. It's Friday, the 22nd of September 2023. This is for professional investors only. Never ever investment advice. There's a report out this week about NFTs. You'll remember them. Uh, non-fungible tokens, basically pictures of JPEGs of apes in hats and stuff like that. Anyway, um, a firm has analysed the wallets. That's where you store your apes and other NFTs. Of about 74,000 NFT collectors, um, it, who are, you know people who buy these things regularly, and valued them based on their wallets and what they've got in them, they found that of that 74,000 or just over 73,000 NFT collections, seven, 69,795 of those are now valued at zero. So, you know, pretty much 70,000 out of 73,000 collectors have now got NFT collections worth zero um, of their JPEGs and NFTs. Remember that at the time of the peak of this, one JPEG NFT by Beeple sold for about 70 million dollars uh, for just, just one of the things. Anyway, this isn't uh, about schadenfreude on my part. But it did make me feel a bit better about uh, another poor performance from bond markets over the past couple of days. This came despite in the UK we had those uh, those good inflation numbers that came out that came out below expectations, especially on the service sector side and allowed the Bank of England to pause. It was a close run thing. It was 5-4 the vote from the Bank of England yesterday, but uh, 5 and a quarter proved to be where, where we're stuck at um, after 14 months in a row or 14 meetings in a row of hiking. We've skipped one now. Um, so despite that pause that followed the ECB's pause, it's really the Fed that's driving global bond markets at the moment. Um, and as we talked about before, they have this hawkish tilt, even though they did pause on Wednesday in their meeting. It was the hawkish tilt, um, the holding up the the hope of soft landing in the U.S. economy, that allowed them to take out some rate cuts from their future forecasts for 2024 and 2025, that have led to this disappointing uh, bond market performance and those two-year um, U.S. bonds trading, uh, you know, above five percent. We're at 5.12 at the moment. Ten-year U.S. Treasuries hovering around the four and a half level, uh, around a cyclical high so weak tone then for fixed income investments and indeed for equities as well it was really a risk off day yesterday in in equity markets more generally all across the world on the back of this um, lower expectations for Fed easing and higher bond yields so while um, you know the bored apes story might um, be uh, one of Big price losses, there are also some big price losses in areas of fixed income markets, especially at the longer duration end of the market. So I was having a look at the 100-year Austrian government bond. If you've got a Bloomberg in front of you, it's RAGB. 2.1%, 2,117 is the the, the bond in question. A famous bond that we all look at when uh, we want to see either big price moves up or down just simply because it's got so much duration to it. Now, this bond was issued at a price of 100 in 2017. Um, it peaked at a price of 235 you know, so more than uh, doubling of the price of a bond. Pretty rare thing to happen in 2020 uh, during the COVID uh, problems there when bond yields all collapsed down to zero. Today, though, it hit an all-time low of €64.75. Um, That's a 72% fall from the top. Now, in recent podcasts, one of the things I've been talking about is that this year's bond sell-off has been largely about the rise in real yields rather than a generalised rise in inflation expectations, and that may... Be slightly surprising. You might think that bonds have sold off because inflation is high and people are worried about inflation. And that's not actually been the case. If you look at break even inflation rates measured as the difference between index linked bond yields and nominal bond yields, they've actually been well behaved this year. You know, just as actual headline and core inflation numbers have started to moderate and come down. Um, We've seen that inflation expectations. They're a little bit above the 2% levels that central banks generally target, but not dramatically so. Well, um, you know, so this the sell off has been about that rise in real yield, about the demand and supply of money. Demand for uh, people to borrow money effectively um, in the system drives real yields. Lots of explanations for why real yields might be going up. Um, but it's the inflation bit of that has been well behaved. I would say, though, there's an excellent note out uh, this week from Albert Edwards. Many of you may remember him. He was a perma bear during what he called the Ice Age. He was a strategist at the time. The Ice Age was a period in the early decade and a half or so of this century um, where the Ice Age term explained why bond yields had fallen so dramatically, why inflation was so low, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. One of the people who got it very right during that period. Anyway, um, he now is getting extremely worried that actually what happens to bonds if together with this rise, the generalised rise in real yields, demand for money going up, in part thanks in the US to things like uh, demand for money around Green New Deal and you know stuff like that, demand for investment in green technologies. What happens if inflation expectations start to rise as well? And he points to the rise in oil prices we've seen. You know, we've seen a thirty percent rise in oil since June. Um, we're up in the nineties still, even though we're slightly off the top. Um, in which case, he thinks we've only just seen the start of the bond market weakness, and that be something really to worry about. And certainly, I think more generally, the narrative about bonds this week is relentlessly bearish. Um, things people talk about, other things as well as What Albert mentioned there, but the government shutdown risk and the debt levels that we're seeing in the economy. The kind of idea that rates are going to go into a table mountain formation where rates just stay high for a very long time, even if they don't go up very much from here. And of course, labour markets which remain tight uh, around the world. We have seen some increases in things like unemployment in the UK, but generally, wage pressures are still robust. Um, Jobless claims. Thing that people look at in the US remain um, well behaved. You know, we're not seeing uh, lots more people claiming for unemployment benefit, etc. So no one has a good word to say for bonds at the moment. I will, however, say that a bonds yields have come a long way now, uh, and forward-looking bond yields. If you look at 10-year, 10-year forward rates in in the US Treasury market, for instance, they look historically very cheap now. And secondly, we don't historically need rate cuts in order for bonds to rally. We just need an end to the rate hiking cycle. So that table mountain formation that people are nervous about doesn't rule uh, out a government bond rally from here. But this wall of worry around government bonds at the moment is real. Okay, we started on tech and those uh, ape uh, NFTs. So I will mention uh, something else in tech that caught my interest this week and that's a study that's getting some attention from um, Ethan Mollick and I uh, did this study with Boston Consulting Group. This paper, working paper, is called Centaurs and Cyborgs at the Jagged Frontier. Um, not being mean to consultants but the study was done on consultants um, and their work and therefore the results may not be particularly transferable to other types of work Uh, But, you know, some good conclusions about AI and how artificial intelligence can augment existing work and add value to it. I'm just going to add a note to my son if he's listening, as he occasionally does. We all know that you use ChatGBT on your uh, Divinity homework this week, so I'm on to you there. Anyway, I'm going to, you know, quickly... um, look at this centaurs and cyborgs note that you'll be able to find by googling it came out ethan mollick september the 16th the conclusion is that for 18 different tasks selected to be realistic samples of the kinds of work done at an elite consulting company consultants using chat gpt4 outperformed those who did not buy a lot on every dimension every way we measured performance. So again, to quote, consultants using AI finished 12% more tasks on average, completed tasks 25% more quickly, and produced 40% higher quality results than those without. So, uh, you know, some quite shocking and significant uh, improvements that I think will lead all of us who are involved in leading teams and so forth, to ask uh, whether there are things that AI can do for us. The other things I learned about technology this week, uh, came really from being in a sling following my shoulder operation last week. Um, I now have realized that a robot that can put socks on a human being is thousands of years away. I just don't think it's ever going to be possible. It's the hardest manual task to do. I can't do it myself, so my family members are having to to do my socks at the moment, and I don't believe that a robot's ever going to be able to master it. Even Wallace and Gromit in um, kind of fictional technology land only manage trousers. Uh, You never see them do socks, as far as I know. Secondly, Control-Alt-Delete on your keyboard. If you're like me and you work locks your screen every time you look away from it how on earth are you meant to do control or delete um, with, with only one hand usable it is very very difficult now I did say that I was going to talk this week about the auto manufacturers right stri- I've kind of run out of time but just to give you some highlights there that um, there is a lot going on in the auto space in the US the deadline is I think this afternoon for whether that strike gets expanded. The big Detroit 3, which are Ford, General Motors, Stellantis, which is Chrysler's parent company, um, they're all on strike in Detroit at the moment. There's only about 12.7 thousand workers out on strike, but there are 150 thousand workers who are union members who work at the big three and I think the you know this afternoon's deadline to whether that gets expanded in a really big way and that's going to have a big impact on auto production and a big knock-on impact on uh, other you know the other industries that support autos in the US. So the UAW, that is the United Auto Workers Union, asking for a wage increase of 36% over four years. Those car manufacturers are, uh, are offering 20%, so there's still a big gap there, just as there is a massive gap in the UK, for instance, between what doctors are asking for and what the government's prepared to to get to. So big disparities, um, thanks to really the, the inflation that we've seen that have left workers feeling, feeling poor, and that's going to have an impact on either wage growth or economic activity in the US and is one of the headline, headwinds sorry, to US growth that I think we're going to have to worry about. That's all from me. Have a good weekend. Speak to you next week. Bye.